Blog Talk Radio. with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brincy.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. 
It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Got a great show lined up for you today. It is Monday, which means we have Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Our topic today is going to be infectious bronchitis. So as soon as uh, Peter gets into the caller queue over on the switchboard, we will bring him on. But first, I want to let you know, because we do, it's factual information. You can research it. <laughs> we give away more chicken coops than anybody on the face of the earth. And we just started another contest yesterday. Yep, the March-April Ultimate Chicken Coop Contest has begun. The grand prize is an ExtremeCoops.com Quonset Hut 4x4 fiberglass composite construction chicken coop with a retail value of $965 plus free shipping to your front door. going to tell you how to enter right now to enter. All you got to do is send me an email. How simple is that? Send an email with your name, shipping address, and phone number to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Again, send an email with your name, shipping, and oh, excuse me, your name, shipping address, and phone number to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Again, that's contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Please put coop contest in the subject line of the email. Only one entry per person per email address. If you enter more than once, you will be disqualified. Prizes shipped to the lower 48 U.S. states only. Sorry, Alaska. Sorry, Hawaii. Sorry, Canada. Uh, of course, you. No, I'll explain that in a minute. Contest starts at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on March 15, 2015. Ends at 11:59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on April 15, 2015. Winners will be selected by random drawing. Winners will be contacted via email and telephone on April 15, 2015. No purchase necessary to enter. Contest does not 
associated with Facebook anyway. Good luck. Now, if you live in Alaska, you can enter. Um, if you live in uh, Europe, you can enter. If you live in Australia, you could enter. If you live in Hawaii, you can enter this contest. But the coop is only going to be shipped somewhere in the lower 48 states of the United States. So you can you know, row your boat over from Europe to maybe the port of Savannah, Georgia, if that's the closest. And uh, we'll ship it over there to Savannah if you want to. And you can pick it up and row it on back to Europe. If you live over in Hawaii or Alaska, and want to participate in this coop contest, hey, you can enter. Absolutely. But uh, let's say you live in Hawaii. I'll ship this over to San Diego, and you can row your boat on over and pick this coop up and row it on back or row on down from Alaska. That's perfectly fine. So it doesn't mean you can enter. That just means I'm going to only ship the coop to somewhere in the lower 48 states. But you can enter, and you can win, and you can get this coop. Just row your boat. Hey, if you live in Canada, come on down. I'll ship it up to a border town. Uh, to a holding station there, a UPS store or something, and you can pick it up and drive it right back across the border. Now, that's a thousand, over a $1,000 value. If you live near the border, you know, heck, what's a 10-minute drive? So, uh, so, so yeah, so um, for all our folks that live outside of the lower 48, uh, you can still enter. <clears throat> no worries. <laughs> Didn't say you couldn't enter. I'm just telling you I'm not going to ship the coop anywhere in the lower 48 states, so the coop company's not. Um, there may be a situation where if you do... Uh, I can't say this for sure, but we've done this in the past with a couple of things where um, uh, if you want to pay the extra cost to have it shipped to wherever you're located, they may consider doing that, But because um, I don't know. So anyway, hey, uh, we got a great show again lined up today, Infectious Bronchitis with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Dot com. Visit them online right now, firststatevetsupply.com. Uh, let's get over here, and, uh, well, first, let's give them a big chicken whisper welcome. And we'll bring on Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Hey, Peter, how you doing today? Oh, Andy, I'm good. Run, running good. like a dog, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I've had a pretty busy morning, too, with just that everything kind of falling. I knew it was going to be a busy morning all weekend. And I said, uh, Jen, you have to deal with the kids a little bit. Though I did have time to walk to the post office with them, both of them in hand, and feed the dogs and uh, with them and then come back and get them started on some sidewalk talk and then relinquished uh, their care over to mom. So had a little bit of time with them. Yesterday was an all-day family affair, and a lot of you are like, every day with you is a family affair. Uh, yes, it is. I'm very blessed for that. But um, it was Lily's second birthday yesterday, and uh, we had a little birthday bucket list we wanted to do, and I posted on my Facebook page. I said, you know what? Uh, there's not going to be any limos. There's not going to be any ponies. No uh, hotel ballrooms. No hotel rooms. No um, uh, uh, silly little uh, party favor gift bags. And, and no fancy uh, custom made bakery cake. None of that. You know, enjoying the simple life. Uh, we had things that we wanted to do yesterday. We woke up. We uh, attended church together as a family. We went out to a really cool little hole-in-the-wall locally-owned southern food restaurant buffet and ate some lunch and stopped by the uh, playground, little city playground there, had some fun, swinging, had a great time there. Came back, walked around the ponds, and we looked for fish and frogs and turtles and all kinds of things like that and had a good time. And then they went down for a nap, and then the fun continued afternoon with bike rides and uh, tricycle rides and things like that. And I guarantee you, well, she's two years old, and I guarantee you if we would have done all of the other stuff, she 
you wouldn't have had a better time than what we did yesterday. And it just amazed me. For a while there, and I don't even own television, but, you know, when we stay in hotels, there was a show on a station called My Sweet 16th Birthday or something where these parents were spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on a silly birthday party and, and then, you know, we get invited sometimes. We'll see friends, and they'll be like, oh, we're, you know, their kid's six or seven. And they're trying to think, oh, maybe we can rent a hotel ballroom and have the birthday. Maybe we can rent a, a couple of hotel rooms with the, with the what, the, what what the heck? Anyway, not for me. If it's for you, great. Enjoy yourself. Not judging you. Have fun. But it ain't for me. Uh, never going to be for me. Um, no bouncies in the front yard. None of that. I was like, you know, whatever happened to, I mean, growing up, I had great birthday parties. I had a homemade cake from Grandma. And uh, everybody came over, and Mama picked supper, and we opened some presents. So uh, great time. So, but it was a great, great day yesterday for Lily's second birthday. We had a had a really good time. But um, yeah, starting the week a little bit busy. I had a meeting. I know you're going to talk about it a little bit after the show. Um, after our topic today, infectious bronchitis about the avian influenza. But over the weekend, uh, late I think it was Friday night, around 10:23 p.m. Uh, the USDA APHIS had issued an official bulletin that um, avian influenza had been found in a backyard flock in Kansas as it's slowly creeping um, west. It was in the um, Mississippi Flyway. Uh, we talked about that last week when you were on, and now we have the Kansas confirmed uh, avian influenza. And uh, had a meeting with them this morning, and they basically have made the decision to go ahead and ramp up the uh, awareness um, for this because of the situation that's going on this year. So um, I'll just be uh, forwarding and spreading and posting more links to uh, information that they want me to share links to. So, um, But I know we're going to talk about that towards the after our initial topic today with the avian influenza thing that's going across. And Somebody posted on a uh, Facebook poultry page, you know, what does biosecurity mean to you? And, uh, you know, we, we all had, you know, posted uh, different things and, uh, uh a lot of some people just unfortunately lets me know working with USDA lets me let them know that we still have a a, a long way to go. Uh, when someone's talking about biosecurity and they talk about um, uh, giving organic food and keeping the coop, you know, uh, <laughs> warm. Oh, I've got a heater in my coop and I give them organic feed, and, and yeah, they yeah. think that's biosecurity. So we have a long way to go. Uh, but a lot of us impressed with a lot of folks that knew. Exactly what it meant, what it meant to them, what and implementing things for for them, and what to do. And I said one thing that frustrates me is when people come on and say they have an idea of what biosecurity is, but they just uh, shrug their shoulders and say that'll never happen to me, that'll never happen to my flock. Um, or the fact that they immediately, when they hear the term biosecurity and hear about the saving influenza, they immediately immediately point fingers to big ag and. Uh, "Quote unquote factory farms and say that's not my healthy uh, backyard flock. That's those sick birds in the commercial uh, buildings, and uh, that you see all cramped in cages. So, so you know, it's the, those two things here take me the most about biosecurity because whether you have two birds or two thousand or two hundred thousand, it should be important to you. And um, so we'll just be ramping that up a little bit. You'll probably see some more posts on Twitter and Facebook about um, biosecurity and what it means and how to implement this and things like that. So." Um, infectious bronchitis, I know, is today's topic. You said that you've been seeing some um, questions about that out there in the uh, um, forum and La La Land on, on the Internet. Maybe you've gotten some calls from some folks about it. It's probably been a while, like you said, since we've covered it. 
So yep. we can go ahead and uh, kind of get started on that. Get the pens and paper out, folks, and uh, title it there, Infectious Bronchitis. And we're so glad to have Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, on to, to share his expertise. I'll turn it over to you, my friend. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I was a little late uh, coming on simply because uh, I was talking to a client of, about this very subject, believe it or not. And it's mm-hmm. one of those things comes up uh, quite a few, quite a bit, especially this time of year. Um, and you know, people don't understand it, and uh, neither did the person that I was conversing with prior to this phone call, um, because he wasn't showing any symptoms whatsoever. Just a drop in egg production, and in, in, uh, in birds he felt should be uh, uh, should be in production. And mm-hmm. um, you know, he has to look somewhere else. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, it's is it possible? Yeah, probable. No, um, but. This this disease, uh, you know, it's what we call ubiquitous. It's everywhere and anywhere. Uh, it's, it's actually quite common in the commercial poultry industry. They vaccinate all of their birds, whether they be um, broiler chickens or whether they be laying chickens. Either one doesn't matter. Uh, the broiler chickens, as a general rule, uh, will get one vaccination just to try to protect them until they go to market. But uh, as a... Uh, common uh, activity in the uh, egg-laying industry, uh, unless it's changed, uh, and, and I doubt it, um, it, they get at least four live vaccinations and possibly one inactivated uh, vaccine uh, prior to the onset of egg production. So it is a huge problem uh, all around the world, uh, not just here in the United States. Uh, it's not just a problem in the back, in the, uh, in the large uh, what people like to call factory farms. <clears throat> I think it's interesting to note um, that uh, you know I'm in the business of basically dealing with folks with small flocks, backyard flocks, and and, and what have you, pet birds, uh, that kind of thing. And um, for those that uh, uh, don't understand uh, and always want to point fingers at the factory farms, then you know who is it that's keeping me in business? It, I don't deal with any of the factory farms, so uh, there's plenty of uh, finger pointing to go around all the way around uh, from my perspective from where I sit. And I think that uh, this is a little bit off topic, but it just tickles me to death on one hand, but aggravates me on another. Uh, when I see post after post after post on Facebook, you know, uh, uh, I just got these chickens from the, from the swap. Uh, you know, what do they eat? Well, gee, maybe you should have thought about that before you bought them, no? Uh, you know, the horrendous conditions I see posted on Facebook, people calling the, these things coops, runs, and whatever, uh, it's shameful. And um, I don't mind saying it. You know, it just is. And, um, you know, the, the, the idiocy behind that kind of, of thinking, you know, it's one thing to have a flock of birds and doing your best, uh, and, you know, nobody knows everything, including myself. I never, ever thought I knew everything. I'd learn every day. But the point of the matter is I go out of my way to learn. And... Uh, so, you know, taking care of the birds uh, is, is a big deal. And um, uh, it just kind of irks me the wrong way when, when folks, uh, you know, don't do any kind of due diligence at all. And I realize the vast majority of people who listen to this show, and I don't want to uh, impinge upon anybody uh, that is wanting to ask a question or has a question, uh, we certainly give them information and not treat them certainly like they, like they don't know what they're talking about or they should know better or whatever. But in some cases they should know better. And that's just the way it is. And when I see these things, it just kind of irritates me no end. Uh, but uh, and, and your question is your thoughts about, you know, people asking about biosecurity and all these other things. Well, 
it is that is a big deal. And and I I warned people when this even uh, uh, influenza thing started. It's it's coming, and it's not just here in this country. And we'll go into it a little bit more. I want to get through this bronchitis thing because it is a little bit of a big deal. More and more people seeing it. Uh, you might know it as infectious bronchitis or IBV or IB. Any one of them is, is acceptable. It really doesn't matter to me, uh, you know, what you call it. The problem with this disease uh, is multifaceted. There are other underlying circumstances that will cause uh, deepening respiratory issues. For instance, uh, a bird that has infectious bronchitis uh, and has a case of E. coli at the same time is going to have a uh, case of air sacculitis. Uh, and that can be complicated with either the E. coli or the Mycoplasma gallosepticum, as we've talked about in the past, as well as the Mycoplasma synoviae. You can have both. You can have all four of these at the same time, and that's a party, And you know, because one's a bron- uh, the bronchitis is a virus you can't hardly do anything about. got to kind of let it run its course. Uh, the other three you can medicate for, so your birds get halfway better, but not all the way better. Uh, so it is a real can of worms. Um, before I go on and describe it to you and talk about the disease directly itself, you need to know that one, I do not recommend people to vaccinate for this willy-nilly, and one of the reasons for that is these vaccines, meaning the infectious bronchitis vaccines, have a tendency to recirculate through the flock. So you vaccinate today and you think you're doing well and you go down the road and that virus decides to cycle itself back through that flock and now they're sick again or they've got a vaccine reaction again uh, and that type of thing. So it's one of the ones, and I stopped carrying it, by the way. I do not carry the Newcastle bronchitis, uh, straight-up Newcastle or straight-up bronchitis vaccines any longer. I have it for quite some years. And uh, I get inquiries every week uh, concerning them, and I try to steer people you know, in the right direction as far as that's concerned. To me, um, using these, this particular virus in your flock when it's not necessary uh, is playing with fire, and it's just that simple. And I think any any poultry veterinarian who, uh, like Dr. Batista up here at the lab, uh, he will tell you that the, this thing will just run all over the place. And uh, they use it here because they have to. They use it in a commercial flocks because they have to. They can't afford to get in the middle of a flock and have that flock of 100,000 layers break down with bronchitis or something to stop laying. And, and uh, the only other, you know, by the time you get them over, it's going to be time to get rid of them. And uh, even when they come back, they usually don't come back full strength and you got to feed 100,000 birds, maybe, you know, 20,000 of them aren't even going to lay eggs, period. And, uh, you know, the eggs that they do lay after a severe infection of this, uh, uh, the eggshells are misshapen, flat-sided, we'll get into that as well. So there's a whole slew of rhyme and reason why you don't want uh, to use this unless you absolutely have to. Um, One of the other things about vaccination I think is important is that if this virus does not give long-term uh, immunity all by itself. So, therefore, if you go and you buy a bottle of Newcastle bronchitis or straight bronchitis and you give it to your flock and you think you've got them protected, maybe for 90 to 120 days maximum, if that flock doesn't continually see that virus and start continually build antibodies, those antibodies will go by the They'll go by the boards. They'll go by the side, hang out on the side of the road. And um, the longer it goes without seeing it, the less uh, opportunity it has to build any immunity to it. 
and then the birds will end up breaking down with the disease. So unless you're going to embark on a program of uh, you know, administering the vaccine every 90 to 120 days or getting on a vaccination program where you're going to administer the live vaccine and then an inactivated or killed vaccine on top of that, I would stay away from it. It is really uh, like playing with fire. This virus is very common, both in humans uh, and other animals, uh, uh, pigs, cows, chickens, humans. Um, you might know this. Um, it's called a coronavirus, and that's because of the way it looks under the microscope. It's got little spikes that stick out and acts like a, uh, looks like a corona around a moon or whatever. And um, you might know this virus uh, from what we've seen on, on occasion. Years ago it was a big deal, not so much of a big deal today, but still out there. Uh, the SARS epidemic in humans several years ago. That was caused by a coronavirus. Your common cold, uh, gastroenteritis uh, in humans, uh, lower respiratory tract infections, upper respiratory tract infections in humans, uh, all caused by coronaviruses, okay? And it's an unusually large virus. Most viruses are quite small. This particular virus happens to be quite large. Um, one of the other things uh, about uh, the uh, bronchitis virus, um, besides doing uh, damage to the respiratory system and causing res respiratory distress uh, in the bird, um, there are two other things that are important that, that these viruses can do. And uh, one is uh, it affects the urogenital system, meaning the oviduct basically, and uh, causes the uh, egg uh, albumin, the white of the egg, to be watery. Uh, causes uh, uh, problems within the uh, oviduct itself, and uh, uh, you end up with these <clears throat> slab-sided eggs, which means it's flat on one side, round on the other, or crinkled the ends, crinkled tops, uh, extra calcium being deposited on the uh, on the shell on the outside, uh, extremely thin shells. Uh, that's not to be confused. Uh, with these rubber eggs that you see online, and, and most people have had birds for a while, you've seen one or two here and there. Uh, that's usually caused by a, uh, a uh, calcium-phosphorus uh, imbalance within the bird itself. That's totally different. That's easily corrected as a general rule. Um, but this here is caused by a virus, and it's not going to go away very easy. And uh, so when you you see this, this is uh, this is a part of the of the problem. So you've got the respiratory distress. Um, inflammation in, in the, uh, the, the trachea, the air sacs. Uh, you've got complications from other diseases that may be in your flock. For instance, if you knew for sure that your own flock was uh, mycoplasma positive and then they were exposed somewhere along the line to infectious bronchitis, uh, you'd have your hands full. You'd probably have some mortality. Uh, you would uh, certainly have uh, birds rasping and railing and sneezing and coughing and choking and watery eyes. Uh, these are all symptoms uh, of, of this particular disease. One of the other <clears throat> things that we see with this particular disease is the fact that it causes what's called urolithiasis. And I'll spell that for you. It's U-R-O-L-I-T-H-I-A-S-I-S. And really what it is is pure and simple kidney damage, uh, an inflammation of the ureters, uh, in the kidney and the inflammation of the kidney itself, uh, this kind of damage uh, is irreversible. It generally is not fixable. And um, out of this also, uh, birds end up with calcification or kidney stones on the kidneys. Um, 
and this results because of the fact that the uh, the kidneys are going to start to shut down uh, from this uh, urolithiasis uh, and kidney damage being caused by uh, this particular virus. So it, it is a problem, and I bring it up because uh, we've had uh, quite a few people uh, call in, some people online, uh, talking about different respiratory things. They think they got this, they think they got that. So I thought it was a great time for us to um, to come back and uh, revisit it uh, a little bit. Um, this is especially detrimental to you if you're trying to hatch eggs, okay? Uh, you will have thin shells generally with bronchitis, like I said before, and this is going to be detrimental to your hatching because hatching is a controlled loss of moisture from the egg, and you're relying on a solid eggshell to help you control that loss of moisture so that the chicks aren't too dry or they aren't uh, too wet. In this case here, uh, if the eggs were fertile, which they may be, uh, they may not hatch very well because of the excessive loss of moisture with the thin shells. They crack easier, uh, and certainly uh, with a very thin shell, the, uh, uh, the loss of moisture through that eggshell is going to be greater, and uh, the chances of the birds hatching properly are going to be uh, diminishing very quickly. Uh, we also... Uh, see some problems with uh, what we call a bleaching effect in brown eggs, uh, and that's not to be confused with the normal loss of pigmentation in the shell as a bird matures uh, during its laying cycle. Um, so you have to be careful there. You can, if you're in a brown egg market and you've got some bronchitis going on, it's it's not going to pass through the egg to humans. The eggs are edible. The, the problem is the quality of the shell, uh, the thickness of the shell the dimpling, the flab-sidedness, uh, the loss of pigmentation in the brown eggshells, uh, the loss of, uh, uh, of uh, good hatching eggs, and, and those kinds of things. Uh, um, and in many cases, the, the uh, loss of pigmentation in, uh, in brown eggshells, if, if it goes on early and it's not uh, caused by a disease or, or bronchitis, uh, is probably more of a genetic problem than it is uh, anything else, okay? Um, this disease has to be differentiated from a whole lot of others, um, laryngotracheitis being one of them. Uh, we've talked about LT before. That's a virus that settles down in the bird's airway or its trachea, causes bleeding. Um, these days, most of, uh, of the uh, uh, outbreaks that I see in small flock holders or, or folks that show are generally caused by using a, a, uh, the wrong strain uh, of uh, vaccine, using a chick embryo or origin vaccine, meaning that the vaccine is uh, made from the, uh, uh, the chick embryo rather than a tissue culture, where the tissue culture is much more mild and doesn't spread bird to bird. So there are issues there. <clears throat> um, mycoplasma may give you some of the same types of symptoms. Um, but what will you generally see? Uh, I do want to say that on a commercial flock basis, uh, it is possible in a chicken house that is undergoing an uh, outbreak of uh, bronchitis, uh, if you're lucky enough to ever see it. Uh, you can watch it walk itself down a, a 100,000 uh, broiler house, uh, chicken house, uh, basically start at one end and, and just walk right down that 500-foot house, and just hour after hour you can just see it going right straight down that 
that chicken house from one end to another. So uh, it is a very rapidly moving uh, virus, and, and for that reason and a whole lot of others, you, you know, chances of, of uh, containing the virus to one building uh, are almost nil, okay? Uh, I've, I've never known anybody, commercial or otherwise, to be able to contain it. There's always a way out. When we talk about biosecurity, you would have to have a facility where you were able to uh, uh, go into a facility, shower, go into a clean room, put on clean clothes, go attend those birds that are ill, come back out, shower, come back out into another clean room that's not the same as the other one, and uh, so that you would uh, not be spreading this stuff all around. The whole change of clothes again and, and then go out, and then you could go to another chicken house. Uh, that's the way it's done on, on your commercial um, uh, breeding farms that have uh, the uh, parent breeding stock, great, great parent, uh, grandparent breeding stock. Uh, you can't get on the farms. They're all fenced in, high security. Uh, it has to be that way. When they sell those birds, they, they guarantee them to be free of, of certain diseases, and, and they have to be. So um, some of the things you'll see, again, is this rapid onset. And all that means is that the birds, you know, might be healthy today, and you come out in the morning and you got a problem. Uh, you know, rapid onset and rapid spread both, uh, very quickly going through a flock. Um, you know, we don't normally see that with, with your bacterial ones. You know, they move relatively slow compared to this, even though you might consider the, uh, like, horizon and that kind of stuff, you might consider that, uh, you know, fast moving, but not near as fast as this, okay? Um, Watery eyes is usually uh, another symptom that we see with this. Um, um, this will look like your own eye if you poked yourself in the eye and your eye continues to water. You wipe it and rub it and it just waters more. Uh, the birds do the same thing. They pick up their feet and they touch them to their eyes. Sometimes they wipe them on their feathers, uh, all kinds of things uh, like that. Um, you may or may not see swelling around the eyes. Uh, generally speaking, an uh, infection of just bronchitis virus by itself uh, does not necessarily produce the facial swelling that we see. Um, but if you have mycoplasma uh, or if you have E. coli or a combination of those things, you more than likely will see a significant amount of birds with facial swelling. And then the problem comes in, then how do you tell whether you've got bronchitis or you've got mycoplasma or you've got Coryzer uh, or uh, you know LT or things like that uh, because the conjunctivitis comes with LT as well. So you can see there's a, a big bag of worms here. Um, one of the best ways to do this, uh, if you suspect a virus, is to get a laboratory diagnosis. And I, we've talked about this a, a zillion times as well. Uh, that you know sometimes the laboratories in whatever state you live in may not be always the friendliest group of people to be dealing with, but. Um, so a lot of things go on. Um, so you may or may not have the facial swelling. Just depends. Okay. Uh, one of the other things you will see with this disease as it progresses, uh, nasal discharge. Again, you might see the same thing with coryza. So here we are again. Is it coryza? Is it uh, bronchitis? Uh, is it bronchitis with uh, uh, the facial swelling caused by E. coli, mycoplasma, or uh, just what is it? So it's pretty difficult to tell. Okay. And, uh, the nasal discharge, generally uh, it is a, a, a loose, uh, semi-clear, uh, viscous material. 
but as the disease progresses and if it's complicated with other disease entities, mycoplasma, E. coli, and that kind of thing, it has a tendency to start to thicken up quite a bit and really get snotty. Um, and then these birds also have a tendency to rattle and uh, um, that raspy, uh, crackling breathing. If you hold them up to your ear and listen to, to their, their lungs, uh, you can hear that, that crackling sound inside. Uh, very, very difficult for these birds to breathe. Uh, one of the other things that we call it is labored breathing, very struggling to breathe. Uh, this is deep down in the body cavity. This is affecting the lungs. This is affecting the air sacs. Uh, if you've ever seen the air sacs on a bird on a post-mortem, uh, healthy air sacs look like a, a piece of uh, glass okay, or saran wrap, crystal clear, nothing on them, no liquid, no foam, no nothing. And when you see infected ones, they can have anything from uh, foam, that is real small to big bubbly foam to uh, uh, slimy uh, mucousy material to cheesy material, okay, yellow, goopy, goppy, cheesy stuff. And the air sacs, you know, help them, help obviously help them breathe. It's part of their respiratory system. And when the air sacs are not in good shape to help pass air, then the bird gets, you know, gets a real, real problem here. Uh, you know, trying to breathe. So the labored breathing is, is another one. If you've got birds that are in egg production, this was this conversation with this person before I, I get on the air, and uh, that person was, was trying to judge their flock as having bronchitis by simply having a drop in egg production. Well, not actually a drop. They never came up. They're about you know 50% egg production. should be much higher. There's a lot of things I would look into before I would you know hang my hat on it being bronchitis. Birds have absolutely no symptoms, uh, no watery eyes, uh, no foaminess in the eyes, no rasping, no rattling, no choking, no nothing. Uh, I don't see it, you see. So I would be looking elsewhere. You know, I, I you know, mentioned worms, coccidiosis, and, you know, the, uh, the phone goes silent on the other end because I haven't checked those things. So you've got to check all of those things out first and make sure that those things aren't causing uh, or be the root cause of, of, the, of the problem as far as uh, uh, the egg production is concerned. could be lighting. Uh, it could be a whole lot of uh, of, of different things, uh, so he, he needs to uh, you know, look into that a little bit different. Uh, the interior egg quality of, of the birds uh, will suffer, uh, as well as the exterior, the eggshell. So the in interior, if you anybody's ever dropped out a, a an egg out of a shell that's really fresh and comes from a really healthy flock, you will see the yolk is very much elevated, and then there's a thicker white and then a less thick white, and then a real watery white. But that real watery white, if it's fresh, should hang right there close to that egg. It shouldn't spread out in the whole frying pan. Eggs that come from birds that have uh, an ongoing case of bronchitis, if they're still laying, uh, as soon as you drop it into that pan, there's going to be very little thick white, if any, and that thing is just going to spread out over that whole pan like you're making an omelet with one egg. And uh, very thin, very watery, uh, as far as the uh, the albumin or the white part of the egg is concerned, okay. And we talked before about uh, eggshell color, uh, quality. Um, you might also see uh, some some of these symptoms in uh, adult birds, but also see some of these in in young birds. Chicks, um, they will act as if they're cold, droopy winged, stand around. Again, giving you the impression maybe 
if they haven't developed some of the uh, respiratory symptoms or if they do have some, uh, you may start thinking coccidiosis as well. But just bear in mind, coccidiosis never gives you respiratory symptoms. So then you need to look elsewhere. Okay, doesn't mean you can't have coccidiosis at the same time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's not the root cause of, of the of the uh, respiratory type symptoms if they're if they're showing you that. Okay, you may get with uh, these birds as the disease progresses. You may get um, open mouth breathing. Okay, um, and, you know you got to put this all together. You can't look at a bird and say it's got open mouth breathing, therefore it has bronchitis. I mean you've got to really look and you've got to. Uh, put the pieces of the puzzle together, and you know it's just like a, uh, a prosecutor in a, in, a, in a criminal case trying to put the pieces together to the puzzle to to show the picture. And uh, that's the same thing that that you have to do. And if you have a good, friendly laboratory where they they're uh, they're going to treat you uh, fair, uh, then you know that'd probably be my first bet, first place I take. You know, here I have good rapport with the, with the lab here, and I know the diseases that they're. Uh, you know, that they're going to hold you accountable for. And, um, you know, uh, if I had a problem here, that'd be the first place I'd go because I have that good rapport with them. I've built it up over the years. You know, and uh, I think <clears throat> sometimes people uh, should do that if they live close enough to a lab uh, so that you have some rapport with them so that they know who you are. Um, and there are other places you don't want them to know who you are. Uh, huddling uh, as uh, if they might be cold, chilled, uh, it's another thing, especially young birds, uh, again, going with respiratory symptoms. Uh, you got to try to put this all together. Uh, sometimes stretching their neck out. Don't forget, they're struggling to breathe. This is like a person with COPD. This is a person with asthma. Uh, you know, th this kind of thing. Uh, it, it, to them, it's got to feel like it, they're being strangled. They're just, just really struggling to get a breath of air. So they may stick their neck out in front. And again, birds that have laryngotracheitis, stick their neck out in front, okay? They sit on their haunches. They, they stretch their neck out because they're trying to alleviate that problem with the blood in the trachea, okay? So these are all little tips that you look at to to uh, to see where it's where it's going. Uh, the, um, so you got this open mouth breathing, this, this, this gasping for air, uh, and, and that kind of thing. Um, how long does it take to go through a flock? This can take anywhere from three to four weeks. Uh, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer. Um, morbidity. Morbidity is the amount of birds that get sick. Generally, you could look at uh, in the very, very high 90s to 100%. Very few birds escape this within a flock that's having a problem. Um, so what can you do for them? Um, hold that birds... thought right there. If you hold yeah, that ahead. thought, I'm going to go to break. Yep, and we'll go to break, and then we come back. We'll talk about what we can do for them. Um especially being that Peter just said, hey, you know, this is some bad stuff, and many don't uh, escape this once they uh, get this in their system. So uh, keep uh, keep that pen and paper handy, and we're going to go to commercial break. We'll be back. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be back after this short break. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. 
In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way. Learn more now, you can't go wrong. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. 
That's GQFradio.com. This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Infectious bronchitis is the topic today, and he's just about ready to tell us about what we can do about it. So, uh, Peter, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, the um, like I said, uh, the, you know, you're going to run into to uh, to some you know severe problems here. So, you know, what can you do if the birds were mine? Uh, I would put an antibiotic on them. I would probably choose uh, the Oxytet concentrate uh, because in, the, in and of itself it's a very powerful drug in the concentrated form uh, and it's inexpensive to use uh, on a flock basis. Okay, um, And the reason I would be using that is not for uh, trying to help control the virus. Uh, that's going to be uh, you know, out of your hands basically. But very rarely... Um, in my opinion, from my experience, uh, does a flock go through this uh, bronchitis phase without a, a secondary bacterial infection? It's just almost unheard of. Um, so there's always other underlying factors, and the Oxytet would help mitigate those uh, and allow the birds hopefully to get over this uh, a little bit uh, quicker. Um, raising the temperature, temperature of the building um, can help. Um, that helps keep them from, remember we talked about um, uh, a few weeks back about baby chicks trying to control their temperature and you're spending all their time and energy trying to keep themselves warm uh, with inadequate uh, uh, brooder heating and uh, losing growth because of that. They're spending all their energy and, and their, their, their resources trying to stay warm. Same thing for these guys. Uh, same thing for humans when you get the flu or you get a cold uh, you, you don't go and uh, stand outside in 20-degree in weather. You uh, curl up uh, under a blanket somewhere and, and, uh, and uh, keep yourself hydrated and that kind of thing. So you want to you do the same thing basically for them, uh, the Oxytet in the drinking water, um, keep them warmer, and increase the airflow without lowering the temperature. We've talked about that in the past when we talked about keeping a coop um, warm in the wintertime and... Uh, without uh, creating a, a draft with, uh, with air movement. And you want to do the same thing here. You want to keep it warm, but you want to keep the air moving, especially exchange of air fresh to, to, uh, to the outside. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, uh, it's a known fact. If you can keep the amount of virus being shed down and going back in and uh, either reinfecting the bird or infecting other birds and, and what have you, uh, you can probably shorten the course of this uh, this particular uh, disease or any other outbreak for that matter. Okay, so you want to raise the, the the temperature if they're in a brooder. You want to make sure they've got adequate brooding space to to get under that brooder and get some some heat. You want to make sure they keep eating and drinking, and you want to make sure that you put that uh, oxytet in the drinking water. Okay, uh, egg production problems. Um, I mean, I've seen them go down to practically nothing on small flocks, um, but uh, generally speaking, you know, you're going to lose 50% or better of your of your egg production depending on on the virus uh, strain that goes through your flock. 
and some of them may never return to normal. I alluded to that earlier. Uh, you know, if you had 100,000 uh, birds in a in a uh, commercial laying house and you had an outbreak, uh, you know, a good portion of them are just not going to return to uh, to production, and uh, that's just the way it is. And they would have to, you know, uh, go to what we call a point of diminishing returns, where it's it's no longer feasible to keep feeding 100,000 birds when only 80,000 were kicking out eggs, and um, you know, they would probably market that flock as Campbell's soup or whatever and uh, clean up the place and put a new flock in. So they, they get on an intense vaccination program to to prevent this totally because they don't want it. They don't need it. And, you know, it's, it's uh, very costly. Um, we already talked about the interior of the egg, uh, you know, going uh, to really uh, go downhill really quick. Uh, and, again, uh, with this particular disease, the uh, uh, egg production may never come back to normal. The quality of the eggs, both internal and external, may never come back to uh, to normal. Okay. Uh, one of the reasons uh, why the uh, eggs get slab sided on the outside and everything else, uh, is there is a scarring effect by this virus uh, uh, that uh, affects the bird's ability to produce uh, uh, good quality uh, albumin. Which is the white, uh, and it uh, scars that oviduct to the point where you get that slab sidedness, you get that roughness to the uh, uh, to the shell, and that's not fixable either. Um, baby chicks can't handle this uh, virus very well. Okay, uh, they uh, die like flies as a general rule. Okay, and the mortality there um, I've seen run better than 60% on occasion. And it, again, it just depends on how the birds are kept and how well you're taking care of them and what you do to try to uh, offset the uh, effects of this thing. Um, there, um, this is not egg transmitted. Uh, like I said before, it is a uh, coronavirus. Um, and um, there are many different strains of this, and some are worse than others. Um, I'll just run through a couple of names, throw them out there. It really doesn't matter to, to you one way or another because when you have a flock and you have it uh, tested and it tests positive for bronchitis, they're not going to tell you which one anyway because they're not going to run that test. That's a much more time-consuming thing. All you need to know is, is that you have it or you don't have it, and hopefully you wouldn't have it. But some of the, some of the strains would be in Arkansas 99, uh, a JMK, a Massachusetts, a Connecticut, Iowa, Florida, uh, and then what we call the Holland strain, which is a very uh, hot uh, uh, strain of the of the virus, and even even the the Arkansas 99 can be a, a, a nasty one too, especially in broiler chickens. Uh, they try to avoid that one here after they introduced it here. Yeah. Um, incubation time runs all over the place. Uh, the um, the uh, more invasive the virus, the worse the virus. Uh, the more of it that's around, uh, the quicker the uh, incubation time. But you're looking at uh, anywhere between, uh, you know, 18 to 40 hours, maybe less, maybe more. Uh, and again, we go back, and I'll tell you, it was that very rapid onset that you see, and that spread from bird to bird. That is going to be your concern. Okay. Um, the uh, the Holland strain does have a, uh, even in a vaccine strain, 
uh, if the birds were not properly uh, vaccinated early on, uh, even giving the Holland strain could cause some kidney issues. So uh, know what you're doing because the, 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 if you have a question, you can always uh, email me, uh, chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com. Um, the, one of the reasons why we're still having issues with laryngotracheitis and fancy fowl and everything else is that people are buying the wrong vaccine. Uh, we discussed this before, but people buy on price as a general rule. Um, if you're going to buy uh, the right vaccine, I can tell you they can't sell it to you for 10 bucks because it can't be bought for 10 bucks at the wholesale level. Okay, so if you're buying a vaccine for LT and it's 10 bucks, don't buy it because they're just asking for trouble. So um, some of this stuff, you know, can be self-inflicted. So don't let these things, uh, don't let these things, uh, you know, get in your pocketbook because they, when they do, they're tough to get out. The uh, again, the more more infectious strains, uh, you know, the Holland and whatever, you know, do do the uh, irreversible uh, kidney damage. Um, if you look at them under postmortem, they're swollen and purplish, and there's calcified urates, uh, little pieces of uh, of urates that are calcified all over the top of the, of the kidneys, look almost like it's pockmarked, uh, and that's the sign of what we call urolithiasis. And uh, again, that's not not uh, fixable either. So uh, um, I think that's pretty much it, Andy. We're at the top of the hour. Yes. Um, Again, prevention. Stay away from people that you, uh, you know, that you know constantly have problems. Um, if you're going to swap meets and you're going to the auctions and the sales and the sale barns, you are asking for trouble. And um, you know, I can't say it enough. Um, I've talked it over with Dr. Batista. He says the same thing. Um, and I know people go there and people buy them and and everything else, but. Um, you know, you're going to have severe problems. You start buying stuff there, and you bring it home, and there's always a nightmare story going with it, always. And um, so um, yeah, if you want to move I think asking yeah, for ahead. trouble, you know, they uh, they they got a big heart. We get that. We know that. We love our chickens, too. But, you know, sometimes you just got to say, I love my current flock a whole lot more than uh, that that you know, chicken at the sale bin that may be uh, two bucks and looks cute. So, um, or I want to, you know, whatever the case may be, absolutely. So that's a great lead-in to uh, um, the avian influenza. Uh, we'll keep it short and uh, just kind of give an overview. Um, if you haven't been following it, uh, it is uh, it is here. And uh, these are the deadly strains of avian influenza with, you know, very, very uh, small number of uh survival, if they, they identify it, they're calling the entire flock because it's going to save thousands and thousands of birds. Everybody always asks about, um, when I post about it, oh, well, how can I treat them? I've had some people say, well, what can I do to boost my bird's immune system so they don't get avian influenza? Um, I've had people say, what what herbs can I give uh, if they do get avian influenza? How can I save the bird? Is there a vaccine? I can give this stuff um, regardless of uh, uh, Strain, the highly pathogenic avian influenza. Um, I'm telling you what, bud, it, it, you know, it, the first symptoms, a lot of times you walk outside and over half your flock is dead on the ground. Um, and, and by then it's uh, unfortunately too late. But, um, you know, biosecurity is, is the big prevention key here, uh, especially if you live on a property with um, 
ponds or a water source where you've got uh, wild uh, birds and waterfowl that like to come and utilize your ponds or your wet areas. That's, that's kind of a big no-no, um, especially when you live in an area where it's been detected. Uh, keeping tarps over your runs, um, uh, not allowing your chickens or your other birds to get out to where those ponds are and drink out of the same bodies of water right now. Um, you know, the different thing, you know, biosecurity, maybe one of the biggest things you can do is a foot wash right now so you're not walking through wild bird poop through your yard to your chicken pen and then taking care of your chickens and walking back to your house and so forth. Um, you know, a foot bath or wearing foot booties uh, can go a long way uh, as well. I just had a meeting this morning uh, with my boss in Washington, D.C., with the USDA APHIS. Um, and like I said, Friday about 9 p.m., they put out the latest finding of the outbreak in Kansas. And um, we had a meeting this morning, and you know, it wasn't a big deal. They're just saying, hey, we are going to ramp up our awareness uh, on social media, including you and your Facebook page and Twitter page and whatnot. So uh, you'll probably see more posts from me with links directly that have been sent to me directly from uh, USDA on the, you know, Again, biosecurity and protection and things we can do. Information on um, identifying illness, uh, signs and symptoms of AI, numbers to call if you suspect it, um, and, and all of that type of uh, information. So, uh, and as uh, even Peter Brown kind of predicted, uh, what a couple of months ago, that when you started posting and sharing with me the flyways and say, hey, look, you know, this 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 is probably not going to be isolated to the to the West Coast. Um, if we're realistic about it, and sure enough, it's it's kind of you know, moved over to Idaho, and then we've got the Mississippi Flyway, and now we're over, you know Kansas, and so um, it's it's just you know nothing to I would say panic uh, about, but use due diligence, especially if you're uh, in those states and in those areas, um, and you know people are like, well, you know, I, I, how can I continue to to free range and things like that? That's it's, it's maybe a difficult decision to do that. Uh, right now, especially if you live in that area. But Peter, would give us, um, you know, you wanted to give kind of an overview real quick about the, the AI, and, and I wanted to share that with folks because there's a lot of things that, that I see and um, questions that I see posted, and you'll see more from me now through uh, the USDA as they've made the decision to ramp up their presence on social media because of these outbreaks. So, Peter, what say you, my friend? Yeah, you know, I you know I hate to be right on this particular issue, but you know I took umbrage uh, with folks on Facebook uh, months ago when it first started out west, and you know people, well, it's it's their problem. No, it's everybody's problem, and you know all you have to do is is do your homework, and you know uh, I believe I sent you a couple of the uh, uh, flyways yeah, fly that I had, and you know people don't realize, you know it's it starts way up in Canada. Uh, and, and elsewhere, and comes through there, and and then it comes down through through here. So, and they they intermingle in in a way up there. You know, some of them cross over, and 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 I can't say that you know that they do it every time they fly. But uh, the the point being, the opportunity is is there. And um, quite frankly, from a, uh, a uh, an overall overview of this thing, it makes me nervous because we're next. You know, I, I live in the Atlantic Flyway. You know, and uh, you know, I mean, huge populations of chickens here. And uh, you know, not only that, 
uh, all the shows will be shut down. That that's one of the first things they do. So you know, it's loss of income for everybody, myself and and the, the commercial poultry industry, because <clears throat> all of these AI uh, flocks, irregardless of whether the the carcasses of the birds, uh, you know, uh, every chicken in the commercial industry is not uh, uh, infected, obviously, but they can't export it either. They don't want it. It's huge. It's it's costing. Uh, you know, and a lot of people are out there saying, "Oh, well, it doesn't affect me if I if, if you know uh, if, if um hang on um, if Hong Kong decides not to buy chickens from America, it doesn't affect me. No, no, it does. It sure <laughs> does. Know, You'd be surprised. Millions and billions of, of of millions and millions of dollars in, in uh, uh, stop poultry sales from this country because of, of this, and uh, it, it does affect you regardless of yeah. whether. You, you know, whatever you want to say about factory farms, yes, it does affect you. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I sit on the fence of it because I've seen both sides of it, and I, I, I know that some of the things that are out there are not true, okay? And I know some of the things that are out there are true. And, they, you know, they they do try to strike a happy balance somewhere along the line. That's the only way you mm-hmm. can you can do that. Otherwise, how do you feel... I mean, how do you figure there to to feed the entire population, not of just this country? Technically, in a way, we feed the world because a lot of stuff from here is exported everywhere else. And um, so, you know, if you don't do it in these fashions, how do you expect to do it? You can't do it. But, you know, I don't have a problem with somebody putting chickens in their backyard and wanting to grow because they want them organic or they want whatever their, their, their thinking is. I'm okay with that. That's not the issue. The issue is how do you make it, cheap enough for the guy who's at the bottom of the food chain, so to speak, the bottom of the income ladder, who's just squeaking by, okay, and, you know, now a change out here is going to, to uh, you know, to increase the cost of food. Food's already high if you talk to a lot of people. No, James, it's gone it up. Is. Oh, my gosh. You know, and it, go, it goes up every time you turn around, and... Um, you know, as we have droughts, you know, uh, you don't realize the uh, uh, the amount of food that comes out of California on a year-round basis. I mean, it's it's huge. And, um, you know, as they dry up out there, so as those crops start drying up, and guess what? It's going to cost you more money to eat whatever it is. So this is important to everybody. I don't want to belabor the point. That wasn't the object of our conversation when I mm-hmm. uh, shot you that email this morning. We were t- mm-hmm. you know, just briefly discussed it. But I think people need to be aware of it. And I think biosecurity is a lousy term. I'm not sure how to come up with a better term. But, um, you know, it's it's the, uh, the same thing as global warming. People don't get global warming. But I, you know... Well, I think now they, 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 they've stopped that term because... Uh, whenever it was cold, people would be like, global warming, it's negative 18 degrees, and we've had record snowfall. Exactly, so I think, yeah. I, I, think, I think the term now, as you've heard, is a climate change is, is yeah. the way that... and it makes more but, sense. I, you know, the average yeah. guy can understand climate change better than he can mm-hmm. global warming, okay? Mm-hmm. But, uh, and the same thing goes on here. I think people have to understand, you know, I'll just tell you what I would do. if If I were in the business of of um, selling birds and everything else or buying birds. I, you know, I was trying to increase the uh, genetic uh, capability of my flock. I think this is a year that I would probably skip. I really do. And I damn sure wouldn't be going any sh- any uh, uh, 
swap meets or things of that nature. Uh, you don't know where all these birds come from. Not every state tests birds that come into shows and other places for avian influenza mm-hmm. and so on. Some states care, some states don't. Um, you know, you don't know what you're getting on the other end of the thing. I, I hear the horror stories. You want to see some of the money people pay for some birds that, that have been, uh, uh, been been shipped into them. It's disgusting. And uh, mm-hmm. birds that they get from, from people uh, who have good reputations, supposedly, okay, uh, with just loaded, and I mean loaded with lice, mites, worms, uh, just things that that shouldn't be you know i I can see somebody getting a bird from from somebody and they're shipped in or whatever and something happens along the way or the bird succumbs when it gets where it's going it's good flesh and you know no mites and lice and doesn't have worms okay so things happen i get that but when you ship a bird to somebody and it's loaded with lice or mites and it's got you know when it's when it's uh defecated in a box during shipment you open it there's a pile of worms there that that isn't right and when you paid good money for them boy i'll tell you what that upset me i think i'd be going to somebody's house and wrangling a few necks and it wouldn't be chicken necks you know i mean it's just it's, it's uncalled for and so you know with keeping those things in mind myself you know i you know again not to belabor the point and, and beat people up over it but you've got to be diligent about this thing you've got to use good common sense and uh you know, just real quick, some of the things that, that you can see in the flock, depression, decreased activity, backing off their feed, uh, certainly decreased egg production, coughing, sneezing, bleeding under the skin, uh, dark-headedness, inability to breathe, and most of all, mortality. Sometimes if you've got mm-hmm. low-path AI, you're not going to see that mortality. You're not going to see this bleeding under the skin, but you're going to see some of these other things. And if you can't figure it out, you best get a bird to a diagnostic laboratory real quick. Mm-hmm. And by all means, take all the protections in the world. You don't have to go crazy, but you should take all the protections. Nobody gets in, nobody gets out. It's that simple. Yep. You don't need visitors. I don't need any visitors here. I enjoy my chickens. You know, and uh, I don't want any visitors. And we go to great lengths to do that. You can't see my chickens for, for a lot of different reasons. Other than the fact that I don't want you bothering them, I don't want you seeing my chickens. You know, my chickens behind a six-foot stockade fence. And uh, you know, I, I you know, and at night they're sequestered in a building that you know, really nothing gets in. And that's the way it was designed. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I haven't looked recently, but I'm pretty sure after extensive communication with uh, um, the Atlanta Coop Tour, um, I talked with them back and forth for a couple of weeks, and and um, uh, being from Atlanta, I'm familiar with the folks that, that run that and have uh, been on the tour a, a couple of times and, and whatnot, but. I think I finally relate to them that um, at least the last email I got, um, it sounded like they were going to do uh, a couple of things and, of course, not let anybody on the tour handle the birds. And then number two, don't let anybody in the coops or the runs, you know, have, have a perimeter. Uh, because I said, you know, there's nothing they need to see. They can't, you know, I, I know the purpose of the coop tour. I get it. And, and they don't need to be in the coop or in the run. To, to complete the goals of why you're doing a coop tour, you know, to promote the benefits of backyard poultry. If there's something unique in the coop, have a picture book out there with some pictures. Here's what the inside of the coop looks like. And uh, it sounded like they were actually going to try to enforce that this year, no handling of chicks, and nobody in coops are runs. Uh, keep, you know, keep your distance. And, uh, and that's, that's a good start because a lot of times, and I'm glad I've uh, 
they, they respect me and they're listening to me to some some that falls on deaf ears so many times when you go in and talk to someone who's on a group tour. Oh, it won't happen here. It's never happened before. Uh, and if we try to do that, then our, our people would laugh at us or whatever. You know, they, you know, one of these days. But um, so I was very fortunate. That's a step in the right direction. So um, uh, proud yeah, of I mean, that. I think that works. You know, I think I, I think that people have to understand that you know this stuff is nothing to be played with. Uh, we're not the only ones having problems with it. This is all over the place. It was just an outbreak in Holland. Okay. There are outbreaks of other diseases. India's got a, a, a problem with Newcastle disease, which is really easily prevented in commercial-type flocks. But, you know, a lot of these places, uh, you know, you're talking about small um, flocks of maybe a couple of hundred birds uh, and, 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 and on up. I mean, not to say that they don't have large commercial operations, they do, but a lot of this stuff, um uh, you know, in those countries can be prevented. Saudi Arabia's got a huge problem with avian influenza, ongoing for several years now. Um, so it's not just us. It's been all over the place, and everybody is susceptible to it. But, you know, the, the due diligence, this can live in, in, in manure for an excess of 90 days. Okay? Um, you know, it's spread most easily by contaminated uh, uh, secretions from the nose, um, you know, we talked before about the mucus coming out of the birds' noses and stuff. That's highly infectious, loaded with whatever, whether it's a, a bronchitis or an avian influenza or, or a mycoplasma or whatever. It's highly infectious. Uh, the droppings, uh, you know, anything and everything from these birds, uh, it just, just it's, it's bad all the way around. So just my, my thing for, for people is to, to use common sense uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a foot bath uh, for, for sure. Uh, nobody in, nobody out. And I know people aren't going to pay. That's nuts. and not going to buy anything for a whole year. Well, I'm, I'm trying to move forward with my flock. I get it. Then you take that risk. You know, I don't know how all of these flocks uh, in the uh, uh, Pacific Flyway and the and, and the, uh, uh, the, uh, the others got infected, but I know I know I do know in in one of the Pacific Northwest deals the Wild waterfowl were encouraged to intermingle with the uh, domestic waterfowl that the people had on their premises, and they paid the price for it because they all got put down. You know, and uh, I normally, I normally don't name names. I'm going to now for the seriousness of this. Um, I don't know how long we've been talking about, how long I've been posting on Facebook and Twitter about the dangers of attracting wild birds to your backyard if you have a flock of chickens. Um, it's just till I'm blue in the face. And I can tell you right now, there was an article in Backyard Poultry Magazine a year or two ago written by somebody that's probably kept chickens for a year or two and now is writing for the magazine, so they're looked at as an authority because they have an article in the magazine, don't know if it was fact-checked at all, about how oh, this is no big deal, it's, you know, I don't see any risks here, you know, it was, it was, I was just dumbfounded by the article, this was in a magazine to educate folks about keeping their backyard flocks healthy. I immediately got on the horn, I immediately called poultry scientist and professor Dr. McCray, I said, please write an article, because we talked about this on the show, I posted about it on Facebook till I'm blue in the face, the dangers of attracting mob birds to your backyard, um, and she did. It was a great article. It was in the summer issue, last year's summer issue of Chicken Whisper Magazine about the dangers of that. And, and look what we have going on, you know, right now. 
And, um, I, you know, to, to me, if I was the editor-in-chief of that magazine, I would just be dumbfounded at this point. I would be ashamed. Just, oh, my gosh, there's an article we just wrote about from somebody that's not qualified just saying, oh, no problems about attracting wild birds to your backyard. From having the feeders back there, having the bird, the, the, the bird feeders, the bird waterers, and the, the chickens go out under the bird feeder, Whoppers were up there eating feet and were pooping below and extra food. Just this is night. And we've been pitching this for so long. And we've got the editor magazine as an article and edited by probably a blog. You're you're fading, Andy. Okay, sorry. And and you've got somebody, you know, right, this magazine's kept doing this for a couple of years and and, uh, talking about, oh, there's no problem about attracting wild birds to your backyard. It makes me mad, makes me sick, and uh, it makes me want to do that much more. It makes the bar that much higher. Uh, for Chicken Whisper Magazine to provide information in there. But hey, we can beat this dead horse, but, you know, we've all heard about that. But, Peter, thanks for uh, coming on today. We appreciate you talking about it, and we'll be posting more about AI on our Facebook page as we get more from the USDA. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next Monday, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to have a little bit different thing, I think, next week. I've been uh, working on this stuff for quite some time, so I'll, I'll post it to you, uh, and um, I think it'll be interesting for everybody. A little, little, little bit different direction, but uh, I think everybody will enjoy it. Hey, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on today. That's Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. You can reach him at chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com. That's chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com. Also, visit them online. Check out their store. If they don't have it, you don't need it. Hey, thank you very much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with Chicken Whisperer. God bless everybody. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha